Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast, where we sit down with meetings and events industry leaders to explore breaking trends, event planning best practices, the future of events, and more. I'm Brooke. And I'm Cody. And we are your podcast hosts, coming to you from the Cvent Podcast Studio in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Now, before we get to today's topic, you can read more about today's episode on the Cvent blog at cvent.com slash podcast. We love getting emails from our listeners, so contact us at podcast at cvent.com. You can also get updates on future episodes through Cvent's Instagram and Facebook. Now, today's episode is all about diversity at events, and we're joined today by Michael Newton, who was listed in the RAHM Top 100 Global LGBT Leaders in 2018, and he's also the COO for the London-based LGBT charity, the P3 Network. It's a charity focused on LGBTQ plus families, where he helped run a number of focused campaigns around the community, which resulted in the group receiving the Point of Light Award from Downing Street in 2018. Michael's a fellow C-Venter and friend. and friend, and as a principal European account manager in our London office. And Cody, I know this topic is important to everyone, but it's particularly important to you, am I right? Yeah, that's right. You know, as a gay man in the events industry, a lot of what Michael told us in this interview resonated with me. It really did. It was super interesting stuff, and there was just some even small things that event professionals can do to create this more inclusive experience. I also want to mention that you're going to hear Michael say D and I. It's shorthand for diversity and inclusion. I only mention it because it tripped (laughs) us up a few times. So here is our interview with Michael Newton. Hey, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now today we're going to talk about the diversity and inclusion in events. And, you know, I've always been really impressed with how you've been part of this kind of topic in your own personal life and really bringing that to the podcast and to the events industry as well. I think this is going to be a really cool conversation with you. Um, Just kind of at a high level, can you tell us a little bit about what diversity and inclusion, I guess, mean to you, especially when it comes to the events industry? Yeah, so I think really a lot of people in the industry as a whole, not even necessarily specifically with within events, is aware of diversity and inclusion. You know, it's really been on the radar for organizations for for a number of years. Um, but in the last, I would say, kind of 18 months to two years, it's really been brought to the forefront um, with organizations' motivation around really creating an inclusive environment changing when you look at really high profile initiatives that have been put out there such as the gender pay gap and then the you know the widespread reporting around sexual harassment in the film industry and then you know campaigns like hashtag me too and time's up these have really now brought diversity inclusion to to the forefront and it's significantly prompting people to look at you know both what their approach to DNI is, as well as what their organizations is, to really start creating a safer environment for for everybody, no matter what area of diversity inclusion they fall into, and even if they don't, just knowing that they have that safe environment mm-hmm. available. Yeah, 
I mean, I imagine that almost of the attendees who are coming to these events are asking for this kind of thoughtfulness when people are planning and thinking about the diversity. And I mean, to your point, creating the safe environment. So I'm sure that there's some pressure being put on planners to make sure they're taking this into consideration. Completely. And, you know, you really have to look at it from the perspective of a diverse attendee is really going to bring a diverse array of insights for your events. You know, when you look at the event space, it should really mean that you're able to bring in more attendees. You know, as somebody who maybe falls into one of the many categories within diversity, you know, you don't want to walk into a room, let's say, as as a woman, you don't necessarily want to walk into a room that's 500 people sat there and only two of them are women or two of them are of an ethnic minority. You know, you want to make sure that as an event planner, you're really creating events that show a wide range of diversity, which is beyond just race and ethnicity. It's people of different ages, physical abilities, genders, education levels. Um, And thankfully, within the events industry, you have so many avenues where you are actually able to demonstrate this diversity and actually create more opportunities for your, your organization to actually promote their stance around diversity and inclusion. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I feel like uh, diversity is a topic that is uh, really important in organizations, but why is it so important for live events? So I think it's really important for live events because you have to look at, okay, who are we speaking to? The audiences that are attending events today are so different to the audiences that you would expect, let's say, 30 or 40 or even 20 years ago for that standpoint. You know, you're now getting younger audience members coming because people are starting work earlier than they may have, may have done previously. People are excelling at their careers at a much more rapid rate. So within live events, you really need to be providing those people with people that, you know, they relate to. Um, you know, it wouldn't have been that long ago when you would go to a panel and everybody on there would be a middle-aged white man, for example. Um, <laughs> You know, you still see that a little bit now, but you're now starting to see a lot more diversity when you look at, okay, who is actually making up this panel? What are their talk tracks? What are their backgrounds? And you're finding a lot of people who have maybe set up their own business. They dropped out of school when they were 16. They set up their own business and they're now really successful. You would have maybe a black single mother who maybe got pregnant when she was a teenager and then, you know, has been really successful in her career. You may have, you know, a mother of five or a single father or gay man or trans person or these people that are just ticking boxes that people are now much more able to relate to because this there is just so much more diversity that's accepted generally within the world than people were aware of historically. So event planners need to be able to to demonstrate that and put that on show for their events. Yeah. I feel like our listeners probably related to one of those, uh, you know, personalities Mm -hmm. or people that you were just talking about. You know, I mean, it's a very diverse world out there. That's the world we live in. So when we go to events or we go to the workplace, you know, this is the environment we want to to be in. Um, And it's so funny when you talk about the panel because it's like, 
almost embarrassing if you're sitting on a panel and it's just all the same Mm -hmm. person across the board, right? Like people will mention it. This is the world we live in now. You know, this is important to everyone. Yeah, I was actually at a, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and they were allowing for the audience to submit questions and they were displaying on a big screen behind the panel and the panel was on CEOs and the moderator was a white male the four panelists were all white males, uh, all kind of, I would say, 40 plus. And somebody submitted a question and it read something along the lines of, this is a panel about being a successful CEO. Why is everybody on here a white man? And the audience could vote on what questions they wanted to be asked. And this question just kept bumping up that list, kept bumping up, bumping up. And the moderator was avoiding it. And everyone's kind of sat there and they're like, is he going to ask this yeah. question? Is he going to? And then he did. Uh, and it turned out they had, well, they said they had a female panelist who was due to attend, but her flight was uh, cancelled or something. Oh um, so whether that was true or not, we don't know. He may have just been <laughs> trying to save face. Um, but, you know, you need, to, you need to be aware of things like this. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we were at the, our, the C-Vent Connect um, event in London last year. Uh, we were there as well. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they had a women in events panel or a women in leadership panel. And there was a few men on that panel as well. And I just thought that was so cool, right? Like yeah. this, just because it's a women's topic or it's a diverse topic, like everyone is part of this conversation. And I think that, you know, we talk a lot about looking at the company level and we need to make sure the company is diverse and is doing um, these kinds of education really right and I'm sure that that starts from the top you know you yeah. uh, your leadership is um, setting a good example for the rest of your staff you're creating this really diverse and accepting environment now that organization let's say they're hosting events and it's almost like when you host an event it's an extension of your company in right. a lot of ways so how is it you know when a company is more diverse how does that lead to better diversity in the event space? Yeah, so you actually hit the nail on the head with that one, Brooke. It's diversity starts at home. And in this case, you need to think of home as work. You know, you spend a lot of time there, so it probably is your home at some points, especially in the events industry, given the the number of hours of a day you actually work. And if an organization is able to make those strides to change within their workplace culture to be more accepting and acknowledge diversity and create a more inclusive environment, that's just going to naturally roll into your events when you think about it. You know, whether that's the marketing communication that speaks to a more diverse audience, for example, looking at things like when you send out an email and it says, please click here to accept your invitation. You have to look at that from a disability standpoint. Not everybody can necessarily click on a mouse. So what you should really change that language to is please select yes or no to acknowledge your attendance here. You know, because that's that's more inclusive language. And it's little things like that that I think if organizations are able to get behind that and be aware of language in marketing in marketing communications and then also looking at, okay, what do our speakers look like? Do they demonstrate a diversity in gender, ethnicity, sexuality, whatever it is? And then that's really going to be that push for change that people are looking for. Yeah, so in terms of the inclusive language, that's actually a really good point. Um, you know, you're right. Uh, clicking is not always something that everybody can do. So changing that language is really important. Um, you know, what have been some other impactful changes that we can notice or that you've experienced um, that allow for more diversity in the workplace? 
Yeah, so I think from from kind of my standpoint, a lot of it is around knowledge. You know, I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand some of the topics. Yeah. I mean, in in my personal life as well, you know, it's about education, right? And I feel like there's um, sometimes a hesitation to ask questions and to be inquisitive about some of these things that might not be, might be hard to understand. And I feel like what I've learned over the years, and I think what you're saying as well is educating yourself and asking questions in a very nice and thoughtful way Mm -hmm. is... a great way to kind of connect yourself with maybe communities that you haven't in the past. Completely. And I think that's, that's the issue is that we now live in such a PC world that people are afraid to ask questions. Yeah. And I think, as, as you mentioned, if you do it in the right way, people aren't going to be offended. Yeah. As long as you do it in a courteous, polite manner that sh- demonstrates that you're wanting to be educated versus saying it in a way that somebody could construed as offensive, there's not going to be an issue. It's just about finding that balance. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Michael. Yep. So <laughs> you have um, you know, been with Cvent. We've been colleagues for a long time. You've been to a ton of different events. Um, you have are very educated in diversity. And <clears throat> what events have you been to? that have really kind of wowed you, that have sort of stood out to you as events that are doing a great job of highlighting diversity? And what was it that they were doing that maybe our listeners could emulate? Yeah, so a lot of the events I tend to go to, I'm either speaking on the panel or I'm invited by a corporate to do kind of education. Um, So for me, kind of one of the one of the highlights of last year was, as you mentioned, Cvent Connect Europe um, was actually being able to host a panel on diversity and inclusion and how it affects the events industry. Which was it was great to see and to be involved in the fact that Cvent are now having such a big push around diversity and inclusion and really wanting to kind of push that message out and really start being a leader within the tech space around DNI. Um, also, I spoke at uh, International Confex uh, back in March, I believe it was. Um, and again, that's another organization that's really starting to push the conversation and make sure the conversation's out there because it is becoming such a big talk point. But for me, one of the kind of groups that are really kind of crushing it when it comes to to the events around diversity and inclusion is is the economist group um so the economist group actually do a global series that's called pride and prejudice where attendees can listen to really some of the most influential business makers and government policy makers and really innovative thinkers from from across the globe discussing a range of topics and their connection to the to the dni model but it's also a great opportunity for people for people to connect with more than 200 leaders from the world of business, politics, and society in general to actually address LGBT business issues head on and to actually keep that dialogue moving so that you know we're not focusing on one specific industry, let's say media, or just focusing on finance or just focusing on tech. This is open to the to anybody that's interested in having that dialogue. And I think that's really important because then what you're able to do is you're able to look at, okay, 
what changes are other industries making and how can I bring that change into my industry to also have the same changes and same developments that they're having? So for me, they're some of the big key ones that I've attended in in the last 12 or so months. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think um, you are, well, I don't think, I know. I mean, you <laughs> you're really are an inspiration. I mean, I know that Cody and I, insisted on having this episode because yes. we needed you to come and give you perspective. You're been in the events industry. You've done a lot of amazing work in your communities. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are going to the events that you are or other events where maybe there isn't as open minds and it yeah. isn't as diverse. And I think what you said was so important is it's starting the dialogue. You know, it's, it's being heard and people are so willing to just kind of be offended and move on. And I think from an event planning perspective, it's so important to in the, in a respectful way or in whatever way you feel comfortable letting that planning team know what they're doing well or what they could do better to help you feel more comfortable, you know? So right. it's like giving that feedback loop so that we can all educate ourselves and do better next time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for, for event planners looking at, you know, how do we collect feedback, you know, maybe instead of, you know, just because I think when people are looking for feedback on their events, they tend to focus on, to a certain extent, the here and now. How was this speaker? How was this topic? Technology, yeah. Yeah, it's not, there's not necessarily any, what would you like to see? Or, you know, even go, even being blunt with your questions, I think to a certain extent, people need to start being a bit more direct with things like, do you, th do you think our speakers were diverse this year? Would you like to see more diversity? What was missing uh, from a diversity? You know, having those potentially open-ended questions where you're potentially going to get some feedback that you don't like um, is actually going to help you longer term. Yeah. Because you don't necessarily want people come in every year to your events. They come every year because it's maybe a part of their job. Your, the event you're running is maybe an industry standard that everybody goes to. But then they leave and they go back to the office and they start going off because, you know, like we talked about earlier, oh, every speaker was a middle-aged white man or there was no access to this or no access to that. Uh, you know, oh, this registration process. I, I acknowledge myself as non-binary, but there wasn't an option for that. And I had to choose one or the other. It's, it's about those little things mm -hmm. that you can just easily change just by looking at, okay, how is the world changing and what is the scope as well? And how can we implement, you know, nobody's expecting people to make ginormous leaps and bounds, but if you can start making slow steps, even just down to things like we obviously talked about the emails, but looking at things like, okay, when we ask somebody to choose their, their title, do we have an option on there for somebody who is maybe acknowledging themselves as non-binary? Do we have an option for other or X or Y or everything like that, just so that, again, you're capturing a wider audience? Because you could potentially lose attendees if they log on and the first thing they see is an option to choose a title, but none of those options potentially fit into their category that they they consider themselves as. Yeah. So it's just little, I think it's just little things to start off with. And that's going to steadily build you up to those bigger changes. Right. I mean, and let's be honest, an event isn't 
one, two, or three days. The experience of an event is very far reaching. It starts when you get the invite, it ends, you know, sometimes never. I mean, this is content you're constantly (laughs) using, right? So um, it's about really creating that inclusive experience from start to end, whatever that may be. You mentioned, though, earlier that, you know, when you go to these events and if you're not feeling like you're included and there's just a bunch of middle-aged white men, bringing that back to the workplace, like, that is a mentality that you bring back to where you're working and that's it's absolutely not, you know, um, doesn't show exactly what it should look like in an office. So I, I yeah. really appreciate that perspective that, um, you know, these events really should be a cross-section of what you should be experiencing back at home. Yeah, it's almost like the res- the events and the people planning and executing these events have a responsibility Agreed. to set the stage for the the community as a whole, like whatever uh, vertical that they're in or whatever specialty, like they're setting the stage for mm-hmm. what this is going to look like when mm-hmm. everybody goes back to their workplaces and are still trying, you know, trying to work together. So. No, yeah. completely. And I think, you know, if you're going to events and you're able to see an array of diversity and then you go back to your office and you just don't yeah that's just gonna that's going to be the trigger for that conversation of like okay i went over to this event and i saw such a mix of culture and gender and right this and that and then you go back to your office you're like okay we don't have any of that why is that and you know it, it could boil down to just potentially the industry that you're in and maybe things need to change it could be down to your your company's hiring processes. Mm-hmm. Do are there specific processes in place to make sure that you know you are being more open minded with with candidates you hire? You know, a lot of organizations now are doing what we call blind interviewing. So what they're doing is they're actually removing names, emails. Um, the universities or colleges that they went to just to give people more of a chance. Yeah. I mean, just like you talking about it, it's like, duh, obviously you're, you should yeah. hire the person that is the most <laughs> qualified, but we know that just isn't the case. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, a lot of this education and things like you're talking about is, is doing a lot of good out in the workplace as well. Um, and, and it's kind of just like trickles down, right? Like yeah. you do better, more diverse hiring, you have better, more diverse workplaces, you host mm-hmm. better, more diverse events. I mean, it just like all kind of works together in harmony. So that's really cool. Yeah. Exactly. It, it like like we said, you know, it filters down from the top, so if yeah. people can see that, you know, it's oh, our leadership is being more accepting of diversity is going to trickle down. And the great thing about that is that if you're getting more of that knowledge about diversity at work, which is where you probably spend the majority of your time, that natural acceptance within your workplace is just going to flow into your into your personal life as well. Right. So it's actually potentially going to make you a better person overall, not just in your in your job. Yeah, definitely. Well, I learned so much today. This is part of the reason I love doing these podcast episodes is I get to talk to the experts out there in the industry. So I feel like I learned a lot. Um, Oh, I'm so glad I was able to fill you guys in on some stuff that you maybe weren't aware of. (laughs) Absolutely. And this is a topic that's really hits home with me as well, too. So thank Mm. you so much for sharing your personal stories, Michael. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. No worries. Thank you so much for having me, guys. You know, I love Michael, and it was so fun talking about diversity, which is a topic that he is super passionate about. But 
This is also a topic that I am super passionate about. And as a gay man in the events industry, I really just feel like these types of conversations need to be had. I know. And one thing we weren't able to get to in the podcast is the background about what got Michael involved in the diversity groups. So if you want to learn more, visit the website at cvent.com slash podcast. That's C-V-E-N-T dot com slash podcast. We even threw in some interesting statistics as well. We've been getting some really awesome emails from some of our avid listeners, and we want to hear more from you. What do you like? What do you want to hear more about? So email us at podcast at cvent.com. That's right, Brooke. And next week, we're going to be joined by Tony from CWT, where we will be talking about human trafficking. Oh my gosh, yeah. You do not want to miss this one. It was incredibly eye-opening for us, especially with regards to events. Yeah, totally. This is one of the most exciting episodes we have. So we'll see you next week. See ya. See ya.